0: Hello, and welcome to the Not a Victim podcast. Not a Victim is a show about learning to live a life without excuses. Today's guest is a longtime friend of mine, Mr. Don Rayleigh. Here's the show. All right, man, so just tell me a little bit about your, uh, your background and your upbringing and everything that led to, uh, to where you found yourself years ago.
1: Well, born 1953, Augusta, Georgia. Seemed to be a pretty normal life, uh, except the fact that I was uh, different than the rest of my siblings. All of them were fair complexion, light-haired. I was dark-complected, dark-haired. It was always a mystery. Didn't think a whole lot about it, uh, but grew up a little bit uh, bullied, uh, because of it, picked on. Uh, as I grew older, became more a target of bullying. Then I was uh, sexually abused uh, at the age of about twelve or thirteen uh, by a family member. Uh, dealt with that; still carries scars from that and mm. issues from it. Uh, besides that, I had a lot of fun as a kid. It was always about having fun. Pretty normal. Just small for my size. That was another reason for the bullying. I was uh, odd and small, so. Anybody wanted a reputation around school, they'd come pick on Don. Mm. Uh, dealt with that. What about what about it. your
0: siblings? Any of that stuff with tw- like inside your family or just school?
1: Uh, well, my, my brother got a little out of hand when he had a, he had an, a, a appendicitis attack and a subsequent surgery, and I couldn't touch him, so he took full advantage of the opportunity to mm. beat on me and rough me up uh, with, with no options of recourse for me. Oh, so, <laughs> but that was just big brother. You know, right. I was the second. For the most part,
0: you, you got along pretty much. Yeah, pretty well I was I was experience. the
1: second, oldest of uh, six kids, hmm. uh, five boys and one girl. Wow. No, uh, I guess you would call it middle class. We didn't have a whole lot of spirituality in the family, though. I mean, we were. I believed in God. I accepted Christ at a very young age with that childlike faith, just innocence, and it never doubted salvation. Just wasn't. Discipled, uh, mentored, or led, no one, I mean, my family, my mom professed salvation, uh, church only being holidays, you know, Christmas, Easter, family unions, things like that, but no real solid discipleship or biblical upbringing, so mm-hmm. kind of wandered uh, aimlessly around, looking, seeking uh, for many years, mm-hmm. uh, besides that, beyond that, it was just pretty normal I guess you could call it as you could call it, normal childhood. Let's see, after high school, dealing with the issues of being picked on everything, I decided to go into the Marine Corps to find some uh, some identity, I guess, or I don't know, I was looking for something, you know. Structure, I guess. Structure and some, some feeling of safety maybe. Uh, maybe I don't have to worry about. Uh, if I go to the Marine Corps, maybe I'll have to worry about being picked on the rest of my life. Mm. And it showed me real quick that it's it's not uh, the hands, it's the heart. Mm. And uh, I excelled, I did good, uh, wound up in the 2nd Marine Division Band, Jacksonville, North Carolina, Camp Lejeune. I did that for a couple of years, and it definitely did me a lot of good. kept me in a lot of trouble because uh, back home uh, toward the end of high school, was working in a— pizza joints at night staying out really late our night started after the pizza joint closed so we didn't get started till about one or two o'clock in the morning so it was almost daylight by the time we got home missed about almost two months of class but being a senior we were passing the rule was back then if you were passing and you were senior uh, you were allowed to continue so made it through by skin of my chinny chin chin or hair of my chinny chin chin uh Marine Corps was good for me, though. Uh, it gave me that structure I needed, and it, and it gave me that self-confidence I needed. Again, seeing that it wasn't about brawn and muscle. Uh, it was more about heart. did me a lot of good. Came out, went to the job market, uh, got married. I actually got married shortly after going in the Marine Corps with my first wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, lasted about eight months. We were both kids. Didn't have a clue what we were doing. Uh, fortunately, no children. So no wreckage there, no collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Those...
0: I think this kind of segues into the uh, next question. Okay. And I'm going to turn this up a
1: little bit. Was there
0: ever a season of your life, whether back then or more recently, that you felt you would never get out of? And I ask this uh, because of stuff we were talking about earlier. Um, when I was going through th- um, the season when I was, I guess, 15 or so, um, and when I was going walking through those days of depression, I, th- like, I felt like the devil was telling me the way you feel now, where everything, where you see negative in every person, and you see every person as just something that wants something from you. Uh, but, but the way you feel now, you'll always feel like this. And you know, there's a part of me that knew that wasn't true, but there's a part of me that sort of believed it because of the, the, it seemed to continue for a while. Any anything, like, any comments on that?
1: Well, there was a dark period uh, with my second wife uh, some four years later or so after my first marriage. uh, I married again, had a child, uh, and was not faithful. Uh, She gave me plenty of reason and justification in my mind uh, to have affairs, to be unfaithful. I took full advantage of that. And again, without the guidance, um, spiritual guidance, moral guidance, uh, I took the wrong advantage of it to the negative. So, uh, in, into a second marriage now, uh that demon still existed, it was still there and again, uh I always looking for they say when the excuse is needed, any excuse will do. Mm-hmm. You know, i I looked for something and I found it, so I was unfaithful. And I got into a place where uh I couldn't help but wonder how am I gonna get out of this? I done dug a hole and I didn't wanna be found out, I didn't want to be known as bad or I mean, adultery was something I had always just shunned, and just that was the most gosh-awful thing. Uh, My family, my mom and dad had fought for years, uh, and there was some of that stuff going on between them, and that stuff just turned my stomach. But here I find myself in the midst of it. So how do you deal with that? How how do you reconcile that? And I remember laying in a a field hunting one day. love hunting and fishing, and... uh, in this dark place just how do I get out of this how do I resolve this Uh, I don't want to come out I want to be embarrassed but at the same time I I knew I couldn't keep going Mm. it was just getting worse and I actually put a gun in my mouth Mm. Um, thank God I didn't have the courage to pull the trigger Uh, and then things kind of worked themselves out naturally Uh, I got found out anyway and subsequently ended the marriage and uh, a lot of damage, a lot of hurt to this day, regretfully. Obviously, certainly nothing to be proud of, nothing to brag about. But for those who in those places, they need to know that uh, though God doesn't want that to happen, he will use it. He has used it. We did survive. Uh, my child survived. My son did. He's a fine young man, uh, well-grounded in the Word, uh, strong in the Spirit, and very active in the church uh, with youth. Ex-wife survived it. She went on to have a happy marriage. Uh, I survived it, went on to get into full-time ministry eventually, and God was actually able to use a lot of that stuff through me to relate to other people to pass on the comfort that he comforted me with and embrace that.
0: And I've brought this up on the the podcast before, but when I went through the stuff that I went through, it was— when I really broke down with God was the first time that I felt that who I was and what I did weren't the same thing. And, um, you know, a lot of times I hear something like this or I hear something really encouraging like this, and I go, I, I just feel like, well, just forgetting all the stuff I did isn't right. but that um, But there's a very important distinction that it's not just like, oh, just forget whatever you did. It's because of Christ that outside of Christ, people are judgmental and people do hold things against you. But inside of this family and inside of the kindness of God, are those two things separate? Um, And, you know, are you not uh, held to what happened in the past? Um, I do want to talk a little bit about your ministry, what, you know, that you're doing now, and how has all the stuff that you went through given you a level of depth that maybe you wouldn't have if you hadn't gone through it?
1: Well, now I I direct, I founded and and now direct uh, an at-risk youth mentoring ministry, uh, working with kids from, and I say kids of all ages, you know. We have kids from, you know, teenage up into their their 30s even, uh, because we have been doing this some 20 years. Uh, The ministry uh, was formed on the heels of uh, an archery career, professional shooting, Uh, around the country traveling the uh, several of the uh, archery pro-am tournament trails that are out there that I didn't know about Uh, but had a lot of success not a lot of money because of the class I shot in Um, but God showed me real quick that it was a ministry tool to lift him up an opportunity and archery was certainly a great form for that we started out teaching archery uh, just having classes Um, our leaders were we were all believers and we would pray and before our sessions and have occasional devotions, little short devotions, object lessons, or something, and learned real quick that this was a perfect mentoring platform.
0: Do you have any stories on that any any stories about you know um just things that i don't i 'm not trying to set you up to brag about yourself or whatever, but I kind of have <laughs> but but just what are ways any stories of ways that God has used your ministry with kids uh as because every time I see you, you're with like 10, uh, 10 younger guys, and um, I know that the the most that people learn from me and the most that I learn from people is just observing what their normal is, what they think is normal and how they live when they're not trying to do something. Um, going back to the, this ministry thing, that like the reason I think it's so powerful is that while not— completely uh, a lot of those kids are seeing you um they're just seeing even even doing something that is not not archery or anything just like seeing your influence in their life in a very day-to-day way that in a way that's the biggest part because they're seeing this version of normal that they're not used to seeing but any anything like that anything that um you really feel like uh, just experiences you've had through that
1: oh yeah we have numerous i mean in mean, 20 years you come up with a few uh a few stories a few testimonies uh there's lots of kids that have uh, benefited in so many ways and you know you, and you kind of set it up for us that's why the the main name of our ministry is the father's heart because we get to exhibit the heart of the father the biggest Absence or deficit in the lives of the children that we deal with, for the, by and large, is they're fatherless. Mm. Fathers have been either abusive or not there, or even when they're present, they're not there. Mm. They may be there physically, but they're not there emotionally or supportive in any way. So we got a lot of floundering, especially young men who have no idea what it's like to be a man. Mm. So we get to come in and show them a picture of a healthy father figure just by spending time with them and and what you said Uh, we we can preach all day long and we can teach all day long it's only when you live it in front of them that it really bears fruit you got to back up your words with your life and for that to happen they got to be with you when you're living Mm. not just in church with your white gloves and party manners on for a few hours a week and for that to happen, and even when you when you're living, when you're doing stuff that's normal for your life, and archery and hunting and fishing and the outdoor stuff that our ministry is based on, that's my life, that's my natural life. So I take these young men and I teach other men to do the same thing, and we set these events up, these activities tomorrow we'll be uh doing fishing with some kids, well we'll get to do that. We're going tubing Saturday up in the mountains of North Georgia, Helen, Georgia. We're just going to tube down the Chattahoochee River with some kids. We did it last week. Um, We'll have archery. We did archery last week. People will not stop calling you. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard your phone go off like four times.
0: Anyway. I'll turn it off. No, you're good. Uh, Uh, (laughs) I'll kill it. How about that?
1: Um, But anyway, so some of the stories that have come out that are just tremendous. There are three instances where we have been told that we have saved a child's life, literally. Um, Two of them directly suicidal attempts or thoughts of suicide that were curtailed because of our influence. One kid said as he was preparing to kill himself, he remembered a verse Mm. uh, that we had quoted and that stopped him. Uh, Another kid, a young man, uh, girlfriend, had committed suicide while they were on the phone he was talking to her he heard the gunshot Mm -hmm. and it sometimes that spreads like wildfire the emotional charged atmosphere at that age teenagers uh, several friends were contemplating suicide they were planning it. he had written his letters out and um, I I guess it was an accidental call it was his father called me and told me he had talked to his son they were son was in South Georgia he was in, in Augusta the father was in Son called him to say goodbye, and Father called me and asked me if I'd talked to him, and I said, well, I hadn't talked to Blake in a, in a good while. I said, if he'll call me, I'll be glad to. I, You know, I wouldn't feel comfortable calling him. I uh, might just make it worse. Mm. Well, he calls Blake. Blake calls me. We talked for 15, 20 minutes, and at the end of it, uh, whatever it was that God put in my mouth <laughs> worked. and.
0: That's such a high-pressure situation. but
1: Really? But, you, you know, you trust right. the Spirit, and that's right. my challenge to people, is do you trust mm. the unlimited power of the God of the universe to work through you if you will be the connecting link? Right. There was another young man. Uh, his solution to his homelessness and his drug addiction uh, was, and he'd been kicked out of three homes, three schools. He was, I think, 16, 15, 16 at the time. Uh, he, he was going to leave town. Uh, after being kicked out of those three schools and three homes and he had accepted a ticket airline ticket to st louis missouri from augusta georgia uh, where he was going to fly in and go to work for a drug gang they had a thousand dollars cash waiting on him according to his testimony and when i learned about this he'd come by the church it was a sunday when he was leaving and he wanted to tell me goodbye and when i learned of what was going on we sit down and we talked uh, in the office. the duration of the service and in finding out what was going on uh i was able to talk him out of that and to go into rehab Mm. and to this day he he's got a fine family now he lives in Mm. bowling green kentucky has two healthy wonderful children a family a wife a great job good paying job Uh, and And
0: this this is going to what we talked about earlier that like just just a general like motivational like Hey, love yourself or whatever. <laughs> like someone who's in a really dark, really cynical uh, place, like that does not work for them. Like I remember when when I was in those shoes. Like the world says, like find happiness inside yourself or something. But to me, that logic doesn't add up. Like if you're hungry, you don't find food inside yourself. It just I knew that whatever I needed, I did not have, and there was no way that I had it and was hiding it. And that <laughs> I say all this to say, going back to the stories you just shared. That it's not that you just like came in town and just like preach some like sermon that like slayed or whatever. <laughs> the, the the times that God has most used someone in my life is because they were just a normal man who loved me, and yeah, that's it. They just ri- but it wasn't like they weren't loving me as like a as like their project. I could just tell that they had it, and so they were giving it because they had it. And I've been in a lot of places where I didn't have it at all, and so to be around someone who did, who felt like they were continually kind of, or just who felt like they weren't held to condemnation or whatever, um, is really the only light uh, in the world. And I, I want to say this one one last thing as it pertains to suicide: that you know, parents and and everyone who, when it comes to this topic, obviously it's really delicate, and you really you know you do want to handle it with with grace. But being someone who um, has been to that place, um, I don't fear it anymore uh, as far as approaching that subject. I mean, I've been to that place, and it's, something about the fear of it is gone in that, uh, that this lending itself to, to why I'm doing this now. And trying to be uplifting sometimes when you're talking to someone who's in a bad place, if you say general uh, upbeat things that aren't really all that true... It just makes the person more depressed because they, they know it's not true. And that is why I wanted to bring this up, that I, when I was in that place, I really called out to God in a different way uh, than I ever had and just said, you know, if you are not real, then I will in this because God is the only reason and the only light in this whole world. and But with him, uh, obviously, um, you never have to go back to a place of self-loathing, or self-hatred, or and all that. You know, and that was all stuff that I struggled with that I was somewhat unaware of struggling with. Um, just for whatever reason, I just hid it, or whatever, or just I I just didn't know that um, that I was doing that, but I was, and which is what led to, um, like we talked about earlier, the my first relationship it was really codependent because now i found this like source of kindness coming into my life that was never there and so it like became god to me because Mm. i just didn't even know what that feeling was and never felt that feeling before um and you know not that it's uh perfect because it's uh, and people throw that phrase around but like i'm still not in the best place right now uh, in some regards but i allow a level of brokenness with God um, that I didn't used to. Although now is still a difficult season for me in certain regards, I never went back to things that I was in. And I bring this up because a lot of people, you see people come out of good bad scenarios and then go right back in. And that's kind of um, a natural thing. And there are other things that I deal with that, that do kind of seem to swing back and forth. Um, even with putting out effort. Um, but when God showed me that I was not, that self-loathing was still self-obsession and that it's still um, a different form of almost arrogance or just it's self-obsession. It's continually looking at uh, at your own uh, flaws and stuff, um, that that was never the design in the same way that uh, on the other end of the spectrum, arrogance is... Obviously not not the best uh, scenario, but that just like turning totally away and um, God kind of showed me how my entire life, start to finish, was just uh, kind of a small piece of, of the puzzle really, but that it could have huge meaning um, to the people uh, within it. And I know all that sounds very theoretical, but I hope some of it made sense. If you're one of a majority of people, uh, and, and myself included, that you it's not that you're not giving kindness and you're not you're not pouring uh, meaning into the lives around you because um, you're too selfish or something but at the end of the day you don't know if your life means anything to God or if he hears you I um, obviously I can't uh, you know I can't fabricate that or the things you might go through but just know that uh, God is not insecure what you do does not anger him or you know piss him off because he's not scared of it and he's not scared of things that have happened to you but uh but he just he loves you and, he, and he's waiting for uh, you to be open to the idea of change and for the possibility of change to even be on the table um has to be your choice um Don, thank you so much for your time. Don has to go meet some people for dinner, and I'm going to play Smash Brothers. Uh, But thank you so much for your time, Don. Um, Anything you want to plug about um, where people can um, get in contact with you about your archery ministry and stuff uh, like that?
1: It's uh, Don Rayleigh, (laughs) R-A-L-E-Y, The Father's Heart Mentoring Ministry, and my number is 706-414-0379.
0: Okay, so Don very much trusts all of you, so don't prank call him in the middle of the night or anything. Um, All right, man. Well, thank you so much for your time, and we will see you guys soon. Sorry it's been so long between um, podcasts. I've had several people who I had to reschedule, including Mr. Don. Um, We just had a couple mix-ups, and I had another guest that uh, postponed on me. Um, And I'm also working full-time with my dad, and I am also writing a new album. So, um, yeah, sorry for the delay. Thank you guys for being with us, and we will see you soon.